Welcome back, everyone, to Ananta Shay Show podcast. This is episode, I think it's episode two, or <laughs> I think so, <laughs> two or yeah, yeah, two, yeah, 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 because we had part one, part two, so this should be episode two. Yes. Um, and we're doing a freestyle here. It's for it's our Thanksgiving special. So mm-hmm. uh enjoy what we have to say because it's completely out of script. <laughs> Not like anything else we have to say is on script, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so if you want to if you have anything special to say on our uh special Thanksgiving episode, Bimbo? Oh, well, well, the one thing that came up for me last year on Thanksgiving, astrologically speaking, was I realized some people were mentioning it and it really clicked in for me that, you know, it's it's very Jupiterian in theme. And there's, there's two things going on with Thanksgiving because we've got the whole like issue of like, indigenous trauma and how that ties in with thanksgiving and like should we really be celebrating and then we've got the fact that it's this beautiful holiday in a lot of ways where people see their families sometimes maybe it's not so good for people but it has the potential to be a really sweet holiday right so um Mm -hmm. and so i think that when we look at it from the good part the good things about thanksgiving it's interesting to see it as it's secretly just about celebrating gratitude and it's about it's very jupiterian because it's always on thursday which is really interesting oh wow yeah i didn't even think about that but that is true and people get fat on thanksgiving (laughs) there's like so much (laughs) jupiter symbolism (laughs) wow yes you're bringing up some great points because I didn't even think about the Jupiterian theme you really jumped into the astrology of it and I love it so (laughs) yeah if you want to continue with that (laughs) no I think the only other thing um about that wait there was one other oh bringing people together that's a thing that I do think people ideally can be a really good thing about this holiday personally I'm alone on Thanksgiving and like enjoying it but but I like that my family's together across the country. Like, I like that. I think there's something really beautiful about bringing people together. And that is that is what Jupiter is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, that's a very <laughs> Pisces-esque, uh, especially. And today, we, we're, um, the moon is transiting in Pisces, right? Oh, so it's I don't even know. more... Yeah, it's even more of that Jupiter theme, I feel like. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just going to check my little app here and see where everything is. Yeah. Looks like we're in Tithi, Shukla, Ekadashi, and yeah, you're right, we're in Ravati. Fun. Cool. Mm-hmm. One thing that just popped into my mind is a, just a bookmark of a topic, not that we need to talk about it today, but it's just something that's always like a mysterious thing is um, the dual the dual expressions of planets. It seems like all planets and particularly certain planets 
have these almost paradoxical significations and it's very interesting and Jupiter is is always one of those where so yeah it's 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 just like I don't have anything tangible to say about it but it's like an inquiry point that I think is really interesting and for uh, I can so give you're... you an example if, if you're unclear on what I mean yeah, I mean, I think I get what you're saying. I want to hear your example, but what I was thinking about was like the gunas of um, like, say, so if we're talking about like Aries and Scorpio, Aries is fire, Scorpio is water, and they're both ruled by Mars type of, is that um, is that kind of what you were getting at or was that Well, totally that's, that's it. No, no. I mean, it's a very like abstract thing. That's just like a common theme that comes up. And that is one of the ways it's come up like with, um, with like watery expression of Mars, like Mars and Jupiter have both having like a masculine and feminine or watery and fiery expression. Absolutely. To me, that's one of the more easy to unpack, because at least we have the signs to show us them, even though maybe they're not always talked about. <clears throat> it's not really talked about but the other ones that I've noticed is like Saturn is a big one how people talk about for example Saturn can represent the working class but it can also represent like old money conservatism like that's just a very like tangible example of like huh how is that possible or how come Saturn sometimes is this like rebellious energy but sometimes Saturn is seen as sort of like conforming highly disciplined energy mm-hmm. um and like that specifically I wanted to I wanted to like just jump in real quickly to say that yeah, I yeah. specifically heard I'm pretty sure it was freedom it was a, a Vedic astrologer talk about Saturn being like poor people or underclass yes. like the the I guess less privileged people but yes continue. no I think that's like my go-to if like if they're if if Saturn's representing that like a specific group that is what it will represent but once in a while you do hear people and I think I've even heard freedom say that this can be as well sometimes Saturn represents old things and so that can look like um conservative values and then that so that's just one example but there's also like it's kind of a messy topic but it's interesting especially when you see how people have these discussions about um, like Venus being super picky and selective but also I mean theoretically Venus could be really seen as like a humanitarian who sees like the value in in like everything that's a that's a whole other topic I don't I don't need to delve into the Venus drama right now but there's just a lot of examples Jupiter is a big one though Jupiter how people say like Jupiter can be like a warmonger but then it's like but I thought Jupiter was like the peacemaker so that's kind of what triggered the subject yeah yeah definitely and also moon is moving it's so it's a rabbity right and Jupiter is in Aries so moon is moving even closer to Jupiter right now I just think that's so well and even in the sky if we look outside we can see Jupiter is so close Oh, our um, moon is so close to Jupiter, I should say. But ah, uh, I wish I could see it. Are you looking yeah, at well, it? I right mean, now? I'm not looking at it right now, but I did see it earlier. Well, I can't even say I saw it earlier. It's very cloudy, uh, where I am. 
Uh, but I did see it the other night. I think it was last night. Um, but you can, I mean, you can download like Starry Night. What's the app? I think it's called Starry Night. No, Sky Guide. Well, personally, I have Sky Guide. And I really enjoy that one. And it I need shows to do like, that. yeah, definitely download that um, <laughs> free promo uh, right now for Sky Guide. But um, yeah, so. Okay, so back to the themes, because I really like how you brought up this Jupiterian theme, and I just saw it popping up today all over the place, especially, like, this is kind of <laughs> at a little, uh, what's the word? I don't know. My mom was showing me something earlier, like, these flowers that were blooming, and they were, like, the, the brightest purple that I've ever seen. And she was Ooh. like, have you ever, have you seen this color before on a flower? And I was like, no. So I thought that was kind of cool that the Jupiter themes started popping out. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is, is purple a Jupiter color? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Well, regardless, purple and especially colors that we've never seen before are really interesting. I feel this real need lately to to like like I know we talk about this a lot, like nature, um the need to like align with nature, but I'm just feeling it on a much more visceral level lately. Um and that's honestly coming from someone who has never really been that interested. Like, I don't, I usually don't say this out loud because it doesn't sound good, but I'm, I've never really been like a nature person, you know? Like, no, not... like that's totally, I totally get that though. <laughs> there are so many people that, you know, that are like, I, I'm not that go out in nature, hiking, like camping type of person. I totally get that. Like, that's reasonable yeah thank you so but yeah. but it's 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 the circumstances it's not the nature it's the circumstances yeah. around the going out in nature that have been problematic <laughs> but I feel like right now um and it just seems so important because there's so many things happening in like the mental like the shared mental landscape right now and the shared emotional landscape and it's starting to feel increasingly chaotic. And it's really easy to kind of get lost in that is what I'm noticing. And I feel like connecting with nature, even if it's through a guided meditation and it's not even going to nature, like you can have a nature spot you've been to that you go to in your dreams or you go to in a guided meditation. Um, even that or just like being completely silent so that you can go there in a meditation is like so helpful or even like what you're saying like looking at the actual planets um mm -hmm. there's something that feels really important about that right now definitely definitely it it i mean we can look on these apps and we can say that jupiter is here the moon is here but if you're not in, in my opinion and i and I think in your opinion as well, well, I can't really speak for you, but this is what you were just saying. 
that you should, you know, be out in nature. Watch, watch literally the moon transiting from Pisces into Aries. Like you can see that visually. And it's so beautiful. And the groundedness of it and the experience of it, you're out in nature, you're feeling the elements, you're with the Panch Mahabhuts. Wait, say that again. You're with the what? The Panch Mahabhuts. What is that? (laughs) It's it's the elements. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Panchanga. Yes, I hear it. I hear. Wonderful. Yes. Continue. Yes. <laughs> no, punch. <laughs> so punch is five. Boot is like, like, uh, I guess it would be like, uh, kind of like boomy, boo, like boot. Oh, boomy. like the earth ground. Yeah. Mother. Mother. Earth mother. I'm, I'm butchering this, I feel like. So I apologize for any of our listeners. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm getting the gist. Okay. So, yeah, so that's what that is. But my point is that we should definitely be out in nature and feeling the elements, be grounded and looking up at the night sky. Okay, so stop me if I'm changing, if it feels like I'm changing the subject a lot. This is just how I process that. I just had another thought, um, a question for you. Do you, do you feel like... Um, we sometimes when we're looking at planets to remedy or like mantras to do and we're really enthusiastic like astrology students and we want to really focus on a certain energy or build a certain planet do you think that sometimes we sort of conveniently neglect strengthening our debilitated planets it's a theory because I noticed that that's something that I do that I kind of, for whatever reason, just gloss over my weakest planet. And I wonder if it's because debilitation sometimes shows a blind spot. And so it kind of makes you almost unaware that you need, that it needs to be better. Like I'm aware of the other planets that need to be better, but like Mercury, I'm like, do, 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 like, I'd almost like rather get by with without it (laughs) but like it's so obvious to me when like in this conversation we're having about my like lack of familiarity with actually looking at planets and it's like I'll wonder why sometimes I feel so ungrounded as an astrologer literally been studying astrology since I was 11 never made an effort to look at the stars don't care I think I care I care now like that I'm hearing that yes this is important but I just started doing a little bit of mercury remediation like just now which is hilarious considering how long I've been like studying Vedic astrology so what do you think about that theory Um, that we avoid strengthening our debilitated planets I I think you hit the nail on the head with that because it's it's almost like we don't intentionally try to avoid it, but it's just like when we talk about exaltation and debilitation and having like an exalted planet and it's going to give its influences or it's going to give its uh, its power, its ability because it's in uh, 
it's in a state of its highest comfortability, uh, is that the word? Yes. Um, and so if a planet is sitting in the, in the sign of debilitation, it's sitting where it's the most uncomfortable. It's sitting <gasps> in a, ho a house where it's like, no, like, uh, what am I, what am I going to, what am I doing here? Like, oh God, how am so I right. supposed to be like, like it's, it's, it's it's almost like we we don't mean to avoid that we just don't know how to handle it in a way yes so, that's a really interesting take so are you saying it's kind of like my mercury because it's in an uncomfortable sign it really doesn't want to be more aware of itself because it's actually pretty uncomfortable in pisces yes i would i would say yes to that that's fascinating because I assume like my mercury is my weakest planet and it's in its sign of debilitation but I'm not sure that's true for everybody's planets who are in their sign of debilitation like I don't know if in Shadbala it always reflects as like under a hundred percent strength I don't think so but I do you know anything about that um so well with so with Shadbala, so it would be uh, across the span of the Vargas of right um, exactly yeah. so 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 it's just it's know, like one factor in Shadbala basically like it's gonna take points off that it's in Pisces but that's only one factor right yeah so yeah so if it's not doing so well in one Varga, it may be doing a little better in another Varga, but if it's not doing so well in the Rashi chart, in the D1 chart, essentially you're going to be getting results of that most prevalently, but it may be not so much in another area. Does that make sense? I think so. I, like I mean, it. yeah. <laughs> No, I, it makes sense, like, logically. I think, like, it's always a little bit of a mystery how the debilitated planets play out because I think I've heard and I feel like I believe that planets kind of compens compensate for each other. So, like, my Jupiter is aspecting Mercury, and I think that Mercury's like, super happy about that. Like, thank you, Jupiter. So it kind of wants to be taken care of is what I feel like. So, um so yeah, there's there's an there's a lot of dynamics going on with like how how like when you say doing so well, it's like my Mercury kind of thinks it's doing great, but that's the point. It's like it thinks it's doing great because it wants things to be easy, but actually could probably sharpen some of its um, skills a little bit. Well, you have a Buddha Buddha Ditya because you have some Mercury, right? Yeah, but it's combust, so I don't know if does it count if it's combust. It can it counts. It counts. Okay. It's just it's just a little it's just a little agitated, that's all. Okay. See, combustion's another one that is confusing. <laughs> but I don't want to talk too much about my chart. Can we talk do you yeah, let's yeah. talk about your debilitated Mars? <laughs> just kidding okay great to, but, but I, would love, <laughs> I would love to actually just check in and see like how you're doing in general and I don't know yeah like yeah what's what's going on for you astrologically right now 
Astrologically, actually, I realized last night that I am in a moon Rahu, Venus Rahu, Venus period. And so actually, I think, oh, it might have just ended. So I should be, but I'm still in moon Rahu, Venus. Okay, this is in Lahiri. This is using Lahiri, I'm sure, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. Um, but I, I, respe- I, I, I respectfully I'm... disagree that you're in this space, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I completely <laughs> understand. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, last night I just, I had this realization about, I won't speak much on it because yeah, I just, it's, it's not good to do so, but yeah. I had a realization about moving forward in a business venture. So, and I have, so I have Venus in its own sign in the 11th, right? Yes. Um, And then it's conjunct Rahu. And then it was the whole, like, business idea itself that hit me. And I was like, oh, my God, this aligns so well with my AL. Like, why have I been, why have I, I can't get the words out. Like, why haven't I been doing this the entire time? But I was like, oh, my God. That's when I noticed. I was like, oh, my God, wait. And then I went to go check the Dasha period. And I was like, oh, oh my God, I'm in this Dasha. Oh, that's cool. That is really cool. Yeah, your AL, for me, I'm like, this has a, a, a lot of potential in media or business, at least for, on the face of it. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I do have one question for you, because I keep coming back to this. And I've gone over it more than a handful of times. But so when this is a little bit off track. I guess we're kind of... That's the way it feels. <laughs> we're all over the place tonight, but it's our Thanksgiving special anyway, so who cares? Um, isn't that so... kind of serpent? I just want to make a note. Isn't allowing yourself to go sort of all over the place a kind of like within the realm of the the Naga-like, like nodal-like, I don't know. I don't know enough about like the Ananta Shasha like mythology, but there's something that feels organic about that to me, just like following the undulations. Yes, I agree with that. Um, okay, but I didn't mean definitely... to cut you off. So I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so what was I saying? Oh, no. <laughs> It's fine. Um, oh, this is what I was saying. So the correlation with AL and A7 and whether mm. you should have your name on your business or you should have a different name for your business. Uh, okay. I think we need to back up and do a little bit of explaining about this, perhaps. <laughs> should we just how okay. to find how to find AL? I can do it real fast if you want. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you okay. go. Okay, if you don't know how to find, if you don't know about a Rudalagna, then you might just end up confused. But basically, a Rudalagna shows your public image, possibly your whole body. It shows the way the world sees you, and it's really good for brand and business. And you find it by counting from the Ascendant Lord to its ruler, 
and then the same number again. You always apply inclusive counting to do this. If you've not done this before, if you're just now calculating your Aruta Lagna, check your work, double check with someone because it's likely that your math is off because there's a little bit of nuance to doing that calculation. So that's the Aruta Lagna. <clears throat> and then each house has a, an Aruta that you can apply the same technique to find the way that that house is perceived by the world. So the A7 is what is it like how your business relationships or your romantic partnerships or anything related to the seventh house it would be like the aruda or the public image of that seventh house and so when you're looking at the aruda lagna and a relationship to the a7 you're looking at the relationship between your public image and the public image of your relationships or your business partnerships does that kind of cover it you think uh, yes, that was perfect. Okay. I think you okay. covered the gist of that. Okay. Um, so. So you're saying like there's this like dictum or something that you've heard where if you have, if the A7 and the Arudalagna are in a good, a good like house relationship, then you should have your name on your business license. But if they're in like an, a non-harmonious house relationship, then you shouldn't have your name on your business license. Is that, what, is that it? So, yes, I wouldn't say business license. I would say uh, like the actual business front. Like, oh, okay. for example, like... Uh, uh, for 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 our podcast here, our podcast name is Anantashesha, right? Yeah. But so so that means we should have um, if if it <laughs> maybe uh, if it gains good traction, if we have good interactions, which I think we do, um, and you know, I don't know, has good stats or whatever, good reviews, then it should correlate with RAL, like it should be in a good relationship with RAL because um, like the A with both of our charts, with A7 and the AL, they should be in good relationship. But if they aren't in good relationship, no, wait, no, wait, I got that backwards. I'm sorry. If they are not in a good relationship, then we should have a different name. For our podcast and so that's why we have not to change it <laughs> so you're but saying we like, are, are in good relationship then we should have our name so let me friend. so like theoretically because i mean the name of the podcast is the podcast but we're saying yeah. emily emily and bimbo right so like yeah. theoretically that might theoretically i'm not saying this is true but theoretically that might say that your al is in good relationship with your a7 whereas mine is not in good relationship with my a7 like so maybe like theoretically i don't want to put my name there because i don't have a good relationship between those whereas you might feel more comfortable because you do is that the principle y yes possibly if that's emily is your real name possible. i don't even i don't even know if emily's your real name so <laughs> but the, and you don't know bimbo's not mine but theoretically i think I, I i think i i get what you're saying it's an interesting question because i for some reason i really don't like putting my name on my business things and i think 
and I have two possible rutilagnas and um, one of them has a good relationship with the A7 and the other one doesn't. But the thing is, this is also the same as the Lakshmi, the Lakshmi yoga, right? Where it's good for your, it's not only good for your business, having your name on your business front, but it's also good for your relationships in general, right? If you have the A7 in positive relation to the Arudalagna. Uh, the Lakshmi yoga, I feel like maybe a little bit different from this case scenario, but in general, I feel like, yeah, you possibly, I mean, you would have, you could say, you know, quote unquote, good relationships, um, having a Lakshmi yoga, you know, you have that harmonic. Um, yeah, I think that's probably di different contexts, but I do think yeah, I heard, well, heard that same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like right there on the right track. I feel yeah. like because, well, the reason I brought, brought up um, the whole questioning of it was because I actually wasn't sure about the relationship between, because I go back and forth. Like I want to have different names for a business or I want to put my name on the business. I'm not sure. So I don't know if that means that I have this weird relationship with my A7 and AL. Well, what is the yeah. relationship? Okay. So I have my AL. So my AL is Libra and I have Venus, Rahu and Mercury. Yes. In Libra. And then I have Saturn in Aquarius as my A7, and that is third. It's, it would be uh, third from my AL. Wait, isn't that fifth from your AL? <clears throat> it's an air set. Isn't that a trine? Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about my Rashi chart. Yes, it is uh, fifth from. Mm -hmm. So That's I right. think it's good. I feel like yours is yeah. good. Mine is also fifth from using what I think is my Arudalagna. I feel like I might switch Arudalagnas, to be honest, just because sometimes I think the Argolas might really make a difference, you know? And if by Argola, I think I have a stronger Arudalagna in Capricorn. But anyway, yeah. So hmm. a, tri a trinal relationship. Yeah. Okay, that gave me a different perspective. Yeah, that is true. But it's interesting because you do have Rahu and Saturn in there, so it might not always feel like a good idea, or there might, it might, you know, it's not always going to be that straightforward, right? Mm, yes, you're right. You're definitely right. Wow. And that I think, like, I think that nuance is a lot, is a really interesting thing. That I'm trying to be better at, like, like noticing, like, because we were talking too about that issue of moon, <clears throat> like theoretically, like the like cookbook thing about seventh from AL is if you have a benefic there and it's not debilitated, it's going to be positive and it's going to show, like, opportunities and positive recognition. But I can I use your seventh from your AL as an example sure yeah okay I think you were I won't say anything too personal but you had mentioned that you felt <clears throat> like it might actually might be a block in there um in your seventh from your AL and initially I'm like no that's that's not 
that doesn't make sense because you have moon there, right? So you got moon in Aries and that's a benefic. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you, we talked a little bit about how your moon, the vastas of your moon and how it's like, even though your moon is benefic and it's not debilitated by sign, it's still in, it does have an affliction to it in the avasta. And I think that part of doing astrology is really just like, after for myself it's like learning these techniques enough so that I know them by heart and then once I know them by heart then I can really pay attention to the nuance of like well yeah that's a benefic placement but is that always going to be comfortable it's just because something is overall benefic doesn't mean that it's not coming with like 30 percent of like a challenge or like one or two major problems you know like that's how life really works right like the same thing mm -hmm. will bring really good results and then some not so good results, you know, like that's actually what life looks like. And I think that's a lot of how astrology works and why it can be really complicated. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, especially like when you brought up my moon and I immediately knew exactly where you were going with that without a shame of Vashta. Yeah. And it, it it having other afflictions and yeah, it's just it's so true. It's so true. I, yeah, I but the avasta that. is particular. Do you want to explain? Try to quickly explain what an avasta is. Do you feel able to do that? I can't, but it might be interesting to people. Um. Yeah. Okay. So there are. Uh. Let's see. How many different avastas? I should know this by now. Um. There's five different avastas, and they all signify basically the, um, the status of the planet. So, um, it could be infant, adult, adolescent. Um. It's all dependent upon the degree and what sign it's in. Um, so if it's, so I'll, I'll take, for example, my moon is conjunct Ketu and it's in the fifth house. So according to the Lajatati Avasta, it would be a shade. So, so basically, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say it just means that it would be feeling like because it's um, in a state of affliction in a trinal house, it's feeling um, like there's 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 not much like, I guess you could say luck in a way, but that's not mm. necessarily the case scenario. It's just feeling that way, like feeling ashamed. So would you say, because I have a hard time really presenting the largeness of the Avastas, because there's basic, mm -hmm. basically the Avastas have so many things to track, like you track the age, the alertness, the mood, like there's so many things, and I think there might even be more. For me, I mostly am just aware of those three, and I mostly am just paying attention to the mood. But um, But basically, if we just sort of take away those other ones and just sort of look at the mood basically an avasta is it's just a way of saying because of these very specific placements 
that this planet has, it's creating this type of mood. So like, for example, the ashamed Avasta can be created when um, there's a planet in the fifth house that is with either Sun or Mars or Rahu or Ketu. Is that right? Um, I think that's right. That's almost right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, that's right. That's the, you, you're saying the Lajitati for... Yeah, the ashamed of Asta. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's yeah, so that, Lajita, right? Yes, specifically, that's the, the Laja, Lajitati of Asta. And I'll, I'll actually tell you word for word here. Um, so the, oh, thank you. Uh, mm -hmm, so, uh, so you have Baladi of Asta, which is um, from infancy to old age, and mm -hmm. it shows how the planet's feeling. And Wait, hold on, hold on. Can I need to stop mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Infant, infant to old age. How the that's not how the planet's feeling, is it? I thought the emotions was how the planet's feeling. So. Wait, you're saying how is what feeling? Sorry, I, this is a. I knew this was going to be a can of worms, but the. <laughs> well, so and people say different things about avastas. Honestly, like I've learned, I've listened to like three or four different people teach them, and they teach them slightly differently. But especially mm. the 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 emotional avastas are the ones that are most consistent. Um, but as far as the planetary age, um. My what I heard is that that has to do with almost how strong the karma is of that. So, like, um, for example, if I like planets that are in the middle of the sign are going to be the like adolescent and adult ages, and those are the ones that are going to carry the strongest karma. Whereas the ones like who are really old or really young at the borders of the sign are not going to carry as strong of karma. So you might not even feel their influences or not, not that you won't feel their influences, but their aspects might not be as intense or something. That was my like base level understanding of the age of Astas. So actually from, so from SOL, the way that we were taught about Baladi of Asta, um, it's not so much about karmas as it is about um how how it's feeling so we can say oh. um we so if it's in an infancy stage or like in an adolescent stage we we feel young and we will do we'll want to do more adventurous oh. things so, so you're saying like, feel not emotional but feel in the sense of our energy level yeah mm -hmm. ah okay got it that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. So, like, if we're if it's an uh in an older abasta, we would be it's moving slower technically, so we wouldn't have as much mm. energy. Interesting. Yes, another thing I'd love to come back to because I've got a very old moon, and I'd like to figure out what that means sometime. I have a dead. Actually, I have a dead moon, <laughs> so it's mm. so old. It's actually dead. <laughs> okay, but but continue, continue. Um, yeah, so, okay, the second, the second, I can't talk tonight. Um, the second Avasta is the Jagradi. Um, and so if a planet, it's, it's basically saying if a planet is, uh, if it's exalted, if it's debilitated, um, so if it's exalted, it's going to be awake, watchful, attentive, 
um, if oh, it's so this is debilitated. Yeah, mm -hmm, this okay. is the alertness. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so we've got, first we have the age of the planet, and then this is the alertness. And this is like how aware the planet is of its own karma. Is that right? Or like where it's at in its karmic journey? Um, you could say that. You could say that. Yeah. Um, but, okay. So I guess you could kind of get where I'm going with that one. That one's pretty yeah, but, straightforward. But you can continue. It's helpful to hear what you're saying. I just, I'm an external processor. So thanks for your patience. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. The Ucha, Nietzsche, um, exalted, debilitated. If it's exalted, it's awake, watchful. It's, if it's debilitated, um, then it's, going to be sleeping and not as aware um if it's in its own sign it's dreaming mm -hmm. so it's kind of like sleepy or tired um but not asleep like a debilitated planet would be question why is my moon dreaming if it's in gemini uh so, from my understanding of that, it feels more comfortable in more of, yeah, quote-unquote dream state. Yes, <laughs> I can confirm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, that's cool. But like I said, I don't understand. The Avastas, it's such a thing, like to really understand everything that creates it, which is why it's so handy to have it just in the software tell you, um, tell you these things. But, um, but yeah, I, I was just curious about the, the alertness thing. Um, yeah, I think that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. It definitely, the exaltation thing and debilitation definitely makes sense because my Saturn is very alert. So, Yeah. Uh yeah 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 you have exalted Saturn don't you yes yes yeah. okay okay let's move on to the next one so it's uh Dutati Avasta so that one is based on actually it's um so when we're doing like the natural relationships or the um temporal relationships with the planets. Mm -hmm. Um, like if it's in uh, uh, extreme friend, friend sign, neutral sign, enemy sign type of thing, um, then it's going to. So if it's in an own sign, it's going to be comfortable. If it's in an extreme friend sign, it's going to be delighted. Um, so if it's in an enemy the, sign, it's unhappy. Is this the same as the the we are lajitadas avastas are a thing? Is that that's true, right? Yeah, so I was actually mistaken at the beginning. I know I said five, but there's actually four Avastas, and the fourth Avasta is the Lajitati. So delighted is not in the same category as ashamed, then. Those are different different categories of Avastas. Is that Correct. right? I'm, oh, okay, yes. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Mm -hmm. So wait, <clears throat> I had been missing this category. You said this is, can you repeat this this last one? 
Yeah, about the so the deep tie planetary relationships. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, it may be it may be own sign in a friend sign conjunct a malefic. So it would be comfortable, content, and sorrowful. So basically, there's these elaborate formulas of how to calculate these. It's almost kind of reminds me of Shadbala, and not exactly, but it's like there's these elaborate formulas that sages came up with, and the software does it for you. And so it's not memorizing all this stuff would be kind of like an absurd thing to expect any of us to do as beginners or even perhaps intermediate students but um <laughs> but it's inter but it's interesting to to start to do it because like when I started to study what makes an ashamed avasta for example or what makes a delighted avasta then I can start to be able to see just from reading the chart what the avastas are instead of needing the software but it's very helpful to have the software because you're almost definitely going to be missing something because there's so many elaborate combinations is that would mm -hmm. you agree with that absolutely yes I would agree with that there's uh when you look at the chart and you're saying that you have a planet in this sign or a you know, a planet in this house conjunct another planet and you're giving it this this uh, narrative on how you've experienced it or what, I mean, not that I'm saying that that's incorrect, um, but there's so many different aspects. Like when you're looking at the chart and like I actually tweeted earlier and I was like, the it's not a chart, it's a life map or something like that. Yeah. It's just, it's, there's so many different things happening and there's different things happening at different points in your life. So, and, and then, you, you know, you're going through these Dasha periods and different planets are being activated at different times. So you're going to be, there's tons of different things happening. <laughs> I can no, say that I over and over and over again, but no, but I think it's an important point because it really, it, it's good to kind of remember when people start to make these generalizations. Like, for example, I have Saturn retrograde and some people are going to say that's going to make you in the 12th house. And a lot of people are going to say that's a really bad placement. You know, like you're going to keep even exalted and maybe it's even worse because it's exalted. You know, people will say that and it's like, okay, I could kind of see where maybe I, during Saturn MD, like there were some things that felt like, you know, like I had to learn the hard way or whatever, but, um, but also like, you know, I've got an alert, my Saturn's doing really well in the Avastas. And I feel that like my Saturn MD was not, if I, I'm just grateful I didn't know about Vedic astrology <laughs> while I was in it, because it <laughs> would have scared the shit out of me. But like, actually, oh, no. Yeah, like I didn't know it was that bad while I was in it, you know, so like, um, because it's nuanced, there's different things happening at the same time, you know, so, so like, it's very humbling to really keep that in mind, because I do think that's where intuition really does play a part in terms of how to just how to really help somebody navigate or help oneself navigate when Frankly, life is full of mixed influences and good and bad are subjective things anyway.
Yes, I'm shaking my head in solidarity. I completely agree. And also, you know, you were talking about your Saturn. Um, my Venus is why, so it's in its own sign, right? Mm -hmm. And in the mm -hmm. 11th house, and I've heard that Venus is not, Venus doesn't give results in the 11th house. It's something like that. Like Oh, Venus won't give you, did you see that? Somebody posted that on Twitter. <clears throat> I need to, is that because I think I've heard, I've heard things about Venus in the 11th. Well, yeah, I've heard mixed things. The 11th house is such a, is such an interesting contradictory house. It is. But Also, I know that I it's see enemy good results. in my chart. <laughs> it's not a good it's not a good planet for me in my chart because I'm a Sagittarius ascendant. Well, So that's another and it's topic. also Yeah. cursed according Oof, to so much in here. So you're so you're saying like like a lot of people would say you have a Yeah. Well, then it's like at some point when you have all these quote unquote bad things together, it almost feels like that's a good thing. Like, I don't know. I'm wondering, I'm very curious about all these placements. There's so many question marks here. Can we talk a little bit about the 11th house thing though? Like
So I want to clarify one thing. Is it is your Venus cursed because it's conjunct Rahu? Is that why? So it's cursed because so when a planet is cursed, it has oh, to be two more Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, what's the other one? So it's on. So it's Mars. Mars is aspecting. Mar, you have Mars in oh fourth aspect. Yeah. Okay, well, curveball. I heard Mars protects its fourth aspect. So Ooh. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, and then I think also I've been really passionate lately about this idea of like functional malefics. And I just wanted to throw out there that um, and functional benefics. And because I'm a Scorpio and, you know, like I get it, like Venus is a functional malefic for Scorpios, but. I still feel like I get Venusian things in Venusian dashas. And it's like, that's not really not a bad thing for anyone. And I think anyone on a practical level can attest to that. Like, that's why I think like, it's always safer to really give the natural benefics and malefics like precedence when you're doing interpretation. But on this topic of nuance, like, I think it just tells you something about the sign of Scorpio that like those Venusian blessings are karmic. They're going to be mixed. That's part of what being a Scorpio means. It doesn't mean you don't want Venusian things. Like you'd be insane to not want Venusian things. Like who doesn't want pleasure and happiness and money and love? Like you'd be ridiculous to not want those things. Of course we want those things. Scorpios really want those things, but are they just easy no not for Scorpio maybe Sagittarius too and it's different it's a different conflict but like for Scorpios absolutely those things especially the relationship and the happiness the emotional so no it's never that simple but that doesn't mean we don't want it it doesn't mean it's not good it's still a benefic it's just that it's going to bring that mixed result so I think that's a really interesting kind of way to look at functional and uh, functional benefics and malefics as sort of giving us information about what areas of life are more complicated for certain signs. That's so true. I love the way you conveyed that. That is so, and then we were talking about earlier how it's like this, naga energy i felt like you really channeled that <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah it's so true made me think a little bit deeper about my functional benefic and functional malefic yeah i'd be curious i'm always curious about the jupiter venus relationship that's a huge topic um so well so for sagittarius the functional malefics what are the functional malefics for Sagittarius so the functional malefics are Venus so actually it's only Venus oh that's and cool then, yeah and then it's um Sun Mars and Moon are benefic and, and why are... oh sorry go ahead no that's fine that's fine go ahead well I just wanted to get down to this topic of like specifically for Sagittarius what houses is Venus ruling that makes it a functional malefic for Sagittarius 
Yeah, so um, Venus rules the sixth house and the eleventh house. So it's um, the Upachaya houses or the um, Dustana. The eleventh isn't technically a Dustana house, but since it's Upachaya, it gives those like mixed results. I always remember and then forget what it is that makes the eleventh house negative, but I know it's not considered really a pot. It's sort of like it's some something about like the eleventh house is where you can get punished or rewarded, kind of something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But the, it, yeah, yeah, uh, I, the comma, the comma yeah, where like yeah. I think I was th- if, if I'm saying this right, so it's three, seven, and eleven. So it's like yeah. our efforts into. So we have to do our efforts and then put those into relationship, and then we go to the group work or the higher, the higher. What what am I saying? So I so guess would you like say? That, go ahead. Go ahead. Would you say the eleventh house is where you get punished for not working with others properly? Yes. Okay. And then if you are, if you have done your networking and you've really done it in a way that's like integrated spiritually, then it will give you rewards. And so that's why benefics, or that's why I think it's good to have planets in the 11th house. I feel like I've heard that because those planets are protecting you, like showing Mm -hmm. that you've done the work or something along those lines. Interesting. But then you hear like all these other things too. But I think what I what I wanted to get at here is like, so for a Sagittarius, it's the quality, it's the specific quality. It's not just like, oh, Venus is bad. It's like Venus is bringing 11th house themes and 6th house themes. That's not necessarily always going to be bad. Are they considered the most comfortable houses, especially the 6th house is not considered a comfortable house for Venus, but... I think that's an interesting way to kind of see, like, teach us about what it really means to be a Sagittarius is like, Venus is still a benefic. And the sixth house and 11th house have good qualities to them. But those are some of those intrinsic lessons that are going to come up maybe for Sagittarians when it comes to relationships, or pleasure or happiness. Would you what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think you said that very eloquently. I think that was really the nitty-gritty of how how Venus is working, like, in a Sagittarian's chart. So for Scorpio, Venus is ruling the 12th and the 7th, so different th- different issues, but still issues. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow, we started talking about my chart on our Thanksgiving special. I I feel special. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't mean to digress, but I feel like We've stated a lot here on our Thanksgiving <laughs> special. No, I, I feel that too. I feel we might be 
overstaying our welcome if we continue. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so there are so many good topics to to talk about, and um, I just wish it's like all questions for me. There's not a lot of answers, unfortunately, but. Um, I know we could just go on and on and I would not mind having like a four-hour podcast but I think our viewers would yeah probably Um, (laughs) it would be it would be cool to talk more about Arudas sometime though oh and we wanted to talk about Black Moon Lilith which I know is is like a hit or miss topic in the Vedic world but um, but that'll be an interesting thing to talk about in the future as well Definitely. We will for sure talk about Black Moon Lilith. That was something that came up recently in our conversations and we took a huge interest in that. It's it's there's so much to say about it. That's it's really a what is the word? It is so vast. It's, yeah. it's so vast. It's vast, it's subtle, it's confusing. Um, there's a lot there's a lot going on there but I actually actually learned I think some practical things from that so um, but I but the the thing about Lilith is the calculation has to be really like laid out like I'm talking specifically about like the oscillating black moon Lilith but um, it seems to have something to do with conform social conformity and I mostly notice I think it, it matters in natal chart it's actually really cool to have it if you have it in an exact aspect but I don't want to say anything definitive about that it's an interesting thing to have but um, but I do think in transit it can signify it can trigger circumstances where one is kind of forced to be a nonconformist and it can feel like a slap in the face because what happens is you're in a situation where it already feels like you're going to be punished for not conforming and so you try to conform and boom Lilith happens to be transiting and fucks you over for trying to conform and then you're like holy shit what the fuck was that that's what it feels to me is the theme in the, in the little in the little trends and it doesn't always happen I do think it has to be like a trigger with a amongst a greater theme but it's important to note because if we're like planning certain things and we know we're having a Lilith transit that day it's and I'm talking about true black moon Lilith which is additional object h13 it is not the asteroid Lilith and it's that that's the object number on astro.com but I do think that that transit can just signify a time where it's really in one's best interest to really value the shadow and the de- the daemon the Jungian daemonic self which is like don't try to repress that because that that's just going to not work even if it's really uncomfortable to bring out the nonconformist um that's the that's going to get you the best results if you're having that transit that's like my working theory on that influence yeah yeah i love the sneak preview that's cool and we um will definitely be talking about this in a later episode so we'll go much more into all of what black moon lilith is i actually wasn't sure when we began talking about it because i was like isn't this the asteroid and you were like no, exactly exactly <laughs> that's why it's it's it is it requires a little bit of like explaining like because there's so much 
it's a Western top concept too. And that obviously brings a lot of like, there's just a lot of bad information on, on the topic. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. We'll clear it up on the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks everyone for listening and we are signing off. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.